great future. We're talking real money. Sure, today's different, but it's not. We always like to think that we live in a time that is so unique and so different that it requires a, a different set of rules, and that certainly applies to investing. I hear from people all of the time, including my spouse, well, it's, it's so much worse this time, and we have to worry about the market, and we have to worry about this, and we have to worry about that, and it's not. Investment values fluctuate. Stocks go up and down. But I read recently in the Wall Street Journal that stock investing is a, quote, zero-sum game. Oh, do I want to write a letter to the editor because it's so not a zero-sum game. Anybody ever looked at a chart of stocks from 1926 to today? They exist. And there's something really curious about that line. It doesn't just move sideways with a little fluctuation up and down. No, no, no. There's fluctuation up and down, but the line tilts up at almost a 45-degree angle. Does that imply a zero-sum game? Yeah, no, it doesn't. One of our advisors sent me an article that I read recently, also in the Wall Street Journal, and again, it's this whole argument that it's different this time. The, the, the headline of the article was, Treasuries Lose Status as Safety Net for Investors. Huh? You mean they're not safe anymore? Well, no, that's not what the article's saying. Even though it says they're not good as a safety net, they didn't say they weren't safe. They're just saying, well, the yields are so low, how much lower can they go? While at the same time, at some point in the article, they say, although people have been saying, how can they go any lower for almost a decade, and yet they've still fallen further? And they, the author, Paul Davies, is trying to make the argument that the 60-40 old-fashioned balanced portfolio, which is really just kind of a base point we use to illustrate diversification, that, that that's not going to work anymore. 60% in stocks and 40% in bonds. And of course, when the Wall Street Journal talks about stocks, they just mean the S&P 500 and treasuries. But uh, they're saying basically that doesn't work anymore. And they go to all these weird experts saying, well, we should buy gold instead, or we should get Chinese government debt. What? Chinese government debt as, as a safe place to invest. Or we should trade currencies. Convertible bonds. Oh, yeah, they're risky. High yields. Why not junk bonds? Sure. Yeah. No, that's not the way it works. Treasury securities, safe short intermediate bonds, have done exactly what they're supposed to do when you actually look at the facts. But of course, we don't want to let the facts get in the way of a good story, do we? No, we don't want that. Since they're using the S&P 500 as their equity portfolio and uh, high-quality bonds, I thought I would see how horribly the Vanguard Balanced Index has done. If, if it's not doing what it's supposed to do, apparently it's not working in this environment. But it is. 
it's done exactly what it's supposed to do. Give you a reasonable return with less risk. In other words, less volatility. Year to date, and they're talking about short-term returns during this crisis period, the Vanguard Balanced Index has returned just over 7.1% for the year. Now, that's curious. It's kind of in line with what its average annual performance has been over the last 15 years at 7.81%, despite the facts that rates have been falling over that entire time. Now, having said that, do I expect to make any money on bonds in the future? No, but that's not why they're in your portfolio. They're in there to add a modicum of stability. That really is the key. Again, for short-term comparison purposes, let's compare that Vanguard balanced index to Vanguard's S&P 500 fund, their 500 index fund. The balanced fund returned 7.1% with those hmm, awful bonds in there. The Vanguard 500 index fund returned 5.5%. Now, when you have a diversified portfolio, your risk of total loss basically does not exist. And we replace that with a measurement of volatility, because that is what scares you. It is not the prospect of total loss, because you can't lose all your money unless, unless the United States vanishes, and then really, do you care where your money is? So volatility is measured by a thing called standard deviation. The standard deviation of the Vanguard 500 index fund is 17.74%. A standard deviation of zero means it has no volatility whatsoever. And the index 500 fund returned 5.5%. Now let's compare that. We got a 7% return on the balanced index, so it made you more money. How about that risk? Did it protect you from risk? Yeah, the standard deviation is 11. That's dramatically lower. It's a lot, lot, lot lower. 17 versus 11? That's huge. So the bonds have been working. Will they continue to work? Well, we can't predict the future, but they're likely to do what they're supposed to do, and that is not move around very much. Even if interest rates rise, you may lose a little bit of value on short intermediate bonds, but because they're shorter maturities, the in a bond fund, new bonds are going to be coming into the portfolio all the time, replacing those that have matured, and you're going to be getting the new higher interest rate to make up for some of those losses. So it should work out. It's not a new market paradigm. It wasn't a new market paradigm in the 90s or the 2000s or the 20-teens, nor is it one today. Just relax and keep doing what works. And if you want to save your sanity... Stop reading the financial media, period. And don't watch either. And just listen to us. Do you have questions? Well, call 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And also, you can send questions in to us at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form, either 
written or verbally. So let's do one of those phone calls. Hello, uh, I'm thinking to give some shares of stocks to my kids from my taxable account. My goal is to give them a head start to start investing in their early ages, like opening Roth IRAs. Uh, my first question, can I give them shares from my taxable account? Second question, any tax implications for gifting shares for a family members? Thank you so much. Bye. Sure, you can give shares from a taxable account to your kids. You can have them transferred to them. But when you do so, there there is no tax on the gift as long as you don't exceed $10,000 a year or your lifetime estate exemption, which is a small fortune. But but because you're still alive, when you give shares that have appreciated to your children, they inherit your cost basis. So you need to make sure that is well known. So, for example, if you paid $10 a share and the stock is now $20 a share and they held it until it turns gets to $40 a share, well, their cost basis isn't 20 Their cost basis is your original $10 a share. So they'd have a capital gain on $30, have a capital gain tax on $30. So, yes, you can do it, um, and it sounds like a nice thing to do, although I think you might be better off just cashing the stuff out and buying them a mutual fund that's well-diversified as opposed to individual equities. Thanks so much for the call. I truly appreciate it. Give us a call anytime at 855-935-TALK or send us a question at TalkingRealMoney.com and just click on the contact form just like this person did. The topic, question on mortgage refinance of primary residence. I have a question on whether I should refinance my mortgage for my primary residence. My current mortgage is a 3.65% fixed rate 30-year mortgage that we've been paying on for a little over six years. A 15-year refinance, quote, we received at 2.35%. Oh, I'm so jealous. Would put the monthly payment at almost 560 more per month, comparing both against total with escrow. Based on that larger monthly payment, my preference was to keep the 3.65 rate and continue to put that additional 560 in a broad-based index fund like VTWAX, the Vanguard Total World Stock Index Fund. Assuming I plan to keep this property for well over 15 to 20 years, is there anything I should be considering aside from shopping around to see if I can find an even lower rate? Does it make sense to look at different terms like 20 years? Or should I just be happy with the current rate I have? Thanks for all you guys do. I really enjoy the podcast. Yeah, I gotta tell you, I would shop. I would keep shopping. I understand not wanting to go to the 15. I think that's actually reasonably smart from a financial perspective because more money is going into your investments, which have that additional growth opportunity that your property doesn't have and you're not saving much on the mortgage. But if you could find a way to get a 20-year note, for example, because you now have 24 years left on your note, that would give you a similar monthly payment at a lower rate, then it would make sense. It would make sense. And if you could get a 30-year rate 
that was significantly lower than where you are now. And you're, we're probably not there yet because you'd have to be down at least a point. So you'd have to be looking at like two and a half percent on a fixed 30. Uh, then it would make sense. But even a 20 would make sense if your payment is going to remain similar and save you that four years. So I'd look. I'd always keep looking. I keep looking, even though I just refinanced a month or a couple of months ago at 2.75. That's why I'm jealous. 855-935-TALK or send in your question to talkingrealmoney.com. Click on the contact form and just type it up. Or, or there's another option. You can always have your question recorded right there. You can just do it with the mic on your computer, which is actually kind of cool and sounds pretty good, like this. I uh, implemented your uh, two-fund portfolio recommendation in my Roth IRA, uh, VTWAX 90%, VBTLX 10%. Uh, I'm thinking to add the small cap value fund in the future. Uh, first question, is it a good idea? Second question, is VSIAX a good fund to add to my portfolio? Uh, I became addicted to your podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Bye. Hey, at least this is a healthy addiction. It's good for you. Well, thanks for being addicted. Oh, uh, yeah, I love, I love the Vanguard uh, small cap value index, the VSIAX. I can't even, I, I don't know how they do it that cheap. Their expenses are so low, 0.07%, 0.07%. And it's got two things going for it. One, it's small cap and two, it's value. And those are two areas that have historically done better, uh, mainly because they have a higher risk Therefore, they should do better. And they've been out of favor lately, which is another good reason, at least in my opinion, to buy them. I'd rather buy the things that haven't done as well as opposed to the things that have done better. I think it's a better strategy. So, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great idea. Add a little bit of that to the portfolio. It gives you broader diversification, and it exposes you to some uh, little, little heavier proportion of those other asset classes that we think in the future should help. All right. Send in your questions at talkingrealmoney.com or call 855-935-TALK. And we're going to do one more online question. The topic on this one is the TiaCref Lifecycle Index Fund 2060 for new grad first job. Hello again. couple of questions regarding my son's retirement plan option. He chose to go into the 403B versus the pension type plan. They automatically enrolled him with all the contributions in the match going to the Tia Cref Lifecycle Index Fund 2060. I see that they have about a 93% allocation to equities, 7% to fixed income type investments. From what I could see, the expenses were broken down into net expense ratio, 0.11%, and management, 0.15%. I'm not familiar with this type of breakdown. I assume the actual expense ratio is the two numbers added, i.e. 0.26%. 
This sounds kind of high to me, but I thought I'd run it by you to get your opinion. I'm sure there are other options he can choose from, but don't think the expenses are going to be any lower. Thanks. Love your show. If Tia Kreff is his choice, you're right. The expenses aren't going to be any lower. The 2060 is fine, although I'd be really tempted at, uh, since he's just getting started, he's just out of college, he's got so much time, 100% in equities would be, I would be very comfortable with that at that age. In fact, I was comfortable 100% in equities till I was getting pretty darned old. So, um, but 93.7, just, I'm not going to quibble. The expense ratio, in the grand scheme of expense ratios around the country, it's okay. It's not ridiculous. Compared to Vanguard, yeah, it's high. But it's what he has. So I think that's fine. Thanks for the note. And please, if you have a question, please, oh, please send it to us. Tell your friends and your neighbors about the podcast because truly, you're, you're not diluting the effect. As a matter of fact, you're enhancing the effect the more people you tell about it. So don't just be addicted by yourself. Get other people addicted. And uh, keep listening. We're here every day. Or at least we try to be here almost every day. 855-935-TALK is the number. Check us out at TalkingRealMoney.com. And if you need more help than we can provide, in a quick question to the show, we have a standing deal for everybody because... It's what we stand for, and that's education. If you have a more complex question, you'd really like to get into the meat of a matter, get started on a plan, take advantage of our advisors and the free help they give everybody without any obligation or sales pitch or cost. Just go to vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com, and set up an appointment. You can do it right on the website. Pick any time that's convenient to you, and we'll make sure that we have someone meet with you. We've got enough people that we can do that. Thanks again. Have a great one. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?